Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassener, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King. Welcome to another very special edition of the Guest Alliance Unicorn Challenge. It's quarterfinals time. We're here. We are finally at the bracket stage of this tournament. It is win or go home, and it is a beautiful thing to watch, uh, and it's a beautiful thing to talk about, especially when I'm joined by my good friend, Walter Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty well this morning. Uh, actually, afternoon. It's morning for me because I woke up you know, a half hour ago, but whatever. It's fine. It's, uh, no one's going to know when we recorded the podcast. All they know is it comes out at 5 p.m. Pacific time every day. <laughs> it, it, you know, they, they don't need to know these behind-the-scenes details of when we woke up and, <laughs> and how groggy we are during this whole thing. That's just, is, it, is it like uh, no one's supposed to know that the Challenger Series games are, are not played when they're aired? Is that they're not recorded beforehand? Are you saying that they've pre-recorded some of those games and or let some of those games happen live so that DDoS attacks could happen for no reason? Oh, whoops, whoops, my apologies. Man. I didn't know that was not uh, not known. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm not sure I could believe such an outlandish. I mean, there'd just be no reason for that kind of behavior. But anyway, we're going to move on to, uh, to, the, to the bracket stage. And we start with... The Flash Wolves versus Origin. And this is a very interesting matchup to me. Obviously, Flash Wolves, not a team a lot of people expected to win their group as the top seed in Group A. Walter, when you look at the potential matchups that they could have had, you know, where do you put Origin on the scale of, of teams that you would have been happy to draw if you are a group winner in this situation? Uh, see... Out of out of all the play out of all the teams you could have played against, you have AHQ, mm-hmm. you have Orion, you have Edward Gaming, and you have Coup. Which you can't have because they're in the same group. Right. So you just can't have Coup. So out of the other other three, EDG, AHQ, and Orion, this is like this is number two, I think. Mm-hmm. That you, you know, you very easily could have had EDG, which despite that the the fact that they performed rather poorly uh last like against uh against SKT and they had some troubles against against uh Bangkok Titans and H2K especially during uh week 2 mm-hmm. um are still you know arguably one of the tournament favorites so you probably don't want to face them in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. HQ on the other hand is very uh, back and forth, they could be really, really good, you know, one minute and very poor the next. So I think Orion is kind of the middle ground. They're kind of, you know, the best case scenario. You know, they're going to be a tough opponent, but they're not going to, uh, you know, they're not SKT where they're probably going to crush you in three games in 25 minutes. Yeah, you would assume that, you know, if it was EDG, you'd be worried about, you know, this Chinese powerhouse finally getting unleashed, finally taking games seriously, which, you know, the typical, you know, ha-ha, LPL sandbagging, they already knew they had the spot, so they didn't try as hard, all those arguments that we've heard before, whether that's real or not, um, and, and, and I have reason to believe they're not, um, I, I do believe that Origin was a, was a fine matchup for Flash Wolves. Flash Wolves have gone up against AHQ. AHQ is a team that understands everything that the Flash Wolves do. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I think Flash Wolves really thrived on in the second day, of, the second week of this group stage is that they were able to pull out some things that people didn't see coming. Now, which was kind of Origins thing in the first week. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about both of these teams as, as innovators as far as how they were able to use their play style to throw off their, their opponents? So I really think that in, in Flash Wolves' uh, instance, they kind of just relied on, on playing Jinx. Uh, which I think both of the the Taiwanese teams relied on on day two was just uh, this very heavy kind of jinx uh, play style. Uh, Stake played a lot better than I think anyone expected, uh, just overall. Mm-hmm. And in particular, uh, for their play style was also the Lulu. Was that they mm-hmm. they were allowed to get Lulu and Stake was a lot like able to play it. And able to play it uh, pretty effectively, which I found was weird considering that they had had him on, like, juggernauts the entire time. Uh, he beat – let's see. He beat Smebs Darius with mm-hmm. Lulu. He only died once. He had 17 assists in that game. Out, uh, you know, had more gold than Smeb. Uh, Maple went on – started playing Assassins, played the LeBlanc, and was just phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, on the LeBlanc. And I think it really relied uh, – it came down to Karsa. Karsa played Rek'Sai and Lee Sin. 
Uh, he played Lee Sin twice, once against uh, Payne and then again against Ku, and he was just a, a monster. He was setting up plays. He was getting off these very, very uh, aggressive ganks onto uh, some some pretty passive laners, especially the mid laners in uh, in Kuro and X Smithy uh, in particular. And they were able to get Maple ahead on this LeBlanc, and he was just able to wreak havoc on on the squishy backline champions uh, that that Ku and uh, and Counter-Logic Gaming brought up against them. Yeah, it is interesting that both Flash Wolves and AHQ ended up benefiting pretty hard from that Jinx pick. I think On obviously, is the one that is the more showy of the two when it came to the Jinx. And at the end of the day, I think it's the one that people remember most because it happened later on in the week. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely correct to identify that as, as something that NL was able to do rather well. But also just what Sword Art was able to do. He was playing a lot of these... You know, engagey kind of supports the Annie against Pain Gaming, uh, the uh, what was it, the Morgana against CLG, which worked out quite well. And uh, and then in the last game against the Ku Tigers, you know, they bring out this you know this Kennen support, which is something that you wouldn't necessarily associate with Sword Art, but you got the Callista Kennen uh, bot lane, and suddenly. Uh, oh, sorry. That was. I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm thinking they had Thresh in the last game. I was looking at Ku's. They did. Excuse yeah, me. they had Thresh. Uh, it was. It was the Thresh in the bot lane uh, with the Jinx and letting the Lulu kind of help out in that regard. But to me, the bigger thing for Ku was, I mean, uh, God, Flash Wolves. I'm so sorry, Internet. Uh, <laughs> the thing about Flash Wolves was that they really benefited as soon as Maple realized, hey, I should be playing AP champions that do a lot of damage and can assassinate people. And we should have known that from week one when his gangplank looked so good. Uh, that maybe he would start gravitating in that area. But since Gangplank isn't around, he was kind of testing the waters, trying to figure out what champion worked. He played five champions over the course of this group stage, which makes him particularly hard to pin down. But it was really that LeBlanc in which he started kind of taking over games. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Origin, who has been innovating in very different team-focused ways. And I, I guess, Walter, one of the things I want to ask you is, do you think that their one and two performance in week two shows a limitation in how they're able to innovate against opponents, or is it is week one more of an example of what they can do when given enough time to prep and catch an opponent off guard? I I think this is I think uh, Orion is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Hmm. Quite frankly, I don't think it's a problem with their. With anything that they're doing, with any of their picks and mans or anything, I just think that the style they're playing is so one way or the other mm-hmm. uh, that if a team is able to get an early advantage against them, as, as LGD and KT were both able to do on day on, on week two, uh, it, it's very hard for them to win games. Even mm-hmm. even against TSM, TSM was able to get this early lead, and it was all about uh, Orion clawing back and, and you. You know, getting any gold advantage that they could and finally turning it around. And the second they get that lead, then they, you know, snowball it, you know, out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, it really kind of comes down to the play style of Soaz. Mm-hmm. Soaz is incredibly feast or famine. Uh, he could absolutely just decimate his lane opponent and, you know, go absolutely crazy as, in he, as he did, you know, Occasionally during day one, or he has the Kennen game against uh, against KT Roaster where he goes 0 and 9. You know, it, it's – you have to hope that you're getting good so as. And if you don't get good so as, you need to play around him sort of like they played around him playing the Vladimir where they just set him off. He was a split pusher, and you hoped that you know he could stay alive long enough to draw a second person. And the second that second person showed up, you, uh, you just went and you took an, a, a different objective. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to kind of look at – the differences in how both of these teams got here. Origin was much more of a skirmish team. You look at Soaz, for instance, he only had a 52.8 kill participation. From a, from a top laner that has teleport and should be using all these global advantages, that's kind of insane that he's only involved in 52% of these fights that end up in kills. It, it really shows how much he's focused on his individual lane and getting those one-on-one advantages, which kind of shows in, in his particular style. He's been ahead in CS... Uh, but behind in gold at the 10-minute mark pretty consistently, which uh, while still getting 20% of the team's resources, which basically is, is a long way of saying he's a good laner who can take care of himself and adds pressure when he needs to, but he's not you know, a team fighter. Amazing. 62.5% kill participation. 
a lot of roaming around, a lot of objectives being claimed and towers coming down, but not a lot of fighting. Whereas on the other hand, you look at Flash Wolves, their lowest percentage of guys that are still starting today in kill participation, Karza at 74%. Everyone else is higher than that, which means this team is winning because their team fighting is working, because they're able to work as a unit to make up for some of these deficiencies in the laning phase. And when you talk about those deficiencies, I mean, you brought up earlier that Stake has overperformed compared to what we thought he was going to going into the tournament. How do you think Stake matches up in this laning matchup against Soaz? Is this is this going to be a game a series in which Soaz is able to reliably feast rather than having to worry about a potential famine? Well, the one thing that saves Soaz here is that Stake is not this over overbearing laner. He's a safe laner. He does very well in lane. He's very uh, you know he's a very smart player. He has a minus uh, 12.8 CS differential at 10 minutes. He's down 287 gold at 10 minutes. He averages six CS a minute. Uh, conversely, Soaz is up 7.7 CS at 10 minutes. He's only down 80 gold at 10 minutes, and he has seven CS a minute. So he's basically getting a wave a minute, which in the top lane is, is actually pretty good. That is the third highest? Fifth. That is tied for fifth highest with uh, ZZ Tai. Uh, and behind uh, of those who are left, Marin, Someday, Huni, and Smeb. So it's safe to say that he is not going to be abused in lane mm-hmm. uh which is kind of where he has some of his deaths is, is from the you know his late opponent getting an advantage the jungler coming up ganking him him dying uh on the other side i think stake is much more involved in the team fighting aspect of his team uh he has 59 assists which leads all top laners uh when you look at soaz soaz has 26 total assists uh if you want to look at the percentage of the team's damage, Stake is actually near the bottom, where he's not trying to dish out damage. He's not important to the team as, as a damage dealer, but he's there to absorb uh, absorb damage when he's playing the Darius. He's there to use the Lulu ultimate to protect the Jinx. Uh, and I think those are the only two champions he actually played. Like, Lulu and, and Darius, I think, are the only ones that he played. And I think also Nar. But again, you're just there to counteract the... Uh, counteract the Darius on the enemy team. So overall, I, I think when comparing them, uh, Stake is much more the team, team-centric, team team-fight-oriented top laner, mm-hmm. where Soaz is this split-push, manipulate-the-map, uh, you know, play this kind of herky-jerky style where you're trying to pull the Flash Wolves away from each other and then pounce on one group of them with the double teleports. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you look at Soaz and you look at the death percentage, right? Soaz died more than any top laner uh, you know, for their team uh, in the entire tournament. He died, tw- he was 26% of Origin's deaths. But a lot of that came in that 0-9-3 game at the very end against KT Rolster. Is, is he capable of a tilt game like that? Sure. But KT Rolster did it because they have Someday. And Someday is the best top laner in the world right now. They didn't, you know, just happen to have a half-decent top laner and tilt Soaz that hard. And that's the thing. I don't think that Stake is the kind of guy that can cause the Soaz tilt game. And when you're able to let Soaz play in his comfort zone, maximize his teleports, let the laning advantage kind of come together, you put them in a position that this Origin team has wanted to be. In every single one of their victories, they've either been ahead or only behind by like a thousand gold. Uh, at the 15-minute mark. It's very crucial for them that they're in a position where these objective trades can kind of push them ahead. So by the mid-game, they're in a starting-the-snowball position, or at the very least a we're-comfortable-in-our-team-fights-going-forward position than they are in their losses, where they had a 3,000-gold deficit against LGD, a 4,000-gold deficit against KT in that second game because they were unable to adapt to these rotations, because they were always falling a step behind, and because the snowball had already been put on them. I don't think Flash Wolves are the team to do that. Flash Wolves kind of stayed within 1,000 gold uh, at 15 minutes in either direction in basically every game they've played. They're not mm-hmm. going to let Origin snowball, but they're going to keep Origin in the place where they want to be heading into the mid-game, which is, I think, where Origin shines. Uh, now, let's talk about the jungle position for a little bit. Because this this is the position that I think can cause the Soaz tilt game. Okay, let's talk about I, it then. I think Karsa has proven that he is uh, an extremely effective 
active jungler, especially day two. Uh, he he is doing very very well for himself, and I was very impressed with what he was able to uh, accomplish. Uh, out of junglers that are left, Karsa actually is ahead by a hundred gold over his opposing jungler. Meanwhile, Amazing is down uh, twenty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a higher CS per minute. He basically he farms a lot better while also having the fourth highest kill participation of all junglers, where Amazing sits down in eleventh. Yeah, with a sixty-two percent. Uh, he's very aggressive. He has the most kills behind Rainover of all the junglers. He has. Uh, he's kind of in the middle for deaths. Amazing is a little bit better than him. He dies a little bit less. And he is third in assists, where Amazing is 12th. Yeah. Again, very aggressive early jungler. And I know I made the joke multiple times about uh, Santorin being like lost and you and you not knowing that he was in the game. Mm-hmm. I've had that same feeling multiple times with Amazing during this. Mm-hmm. Where I understand Orion is not trying to play this aggressive early game style where the jungler is constantly ganking, but Amazing is a very good ganking jungler. And he's kind of playing very reactively and not being aggressive and not going to make plays and not getting his laners ahead. Whereas Karst is the opposite. He is all about getting his laners ahead. He's all about going in. He's all about getting kills. He's all about using the fact that Stake is not a carry and allowing it to uh, propel himself into the mid game and having some sort of impact on the mid game other than being a CC or a tank bot. And this is something we saw Mountain do too. It's a very LMS style where you try some ganks early and whether they succeed or they don't, you then transition in the mid game. You get your farm and you put yourself in a position where, especially if you got a kill or two on those ganks, you're now just going to be stronger than the enemy jungler. And it puts you, if you have faith in that jungler, it puts you in a very nice position. Now, kill participation, I, I'm going to give Amazing a little bit of slack in that when you're a skirmish uh, counter-objective team, it is very hard to have high kill participation numbers across the board in the same way that the Flash Wolves are because not everyone's going to be at every fight. You're trying to have multiple fights across the map at the same time, and you're only going to be able to be at one of them. That said, Niels is involved in 84.7% of these fights, so maybe that's not fair. Maybe there is something to be said about certain players needing to be there to close these fights out, and Amazing just hasn't been that guy. But what's more interesting to me when it comes to Karza is how people have had to shift their entire strategy as far as how they play against the Flash Wolves in order to keep Karza down. We saw in the first week, teams were really heavily warding in the early game, especially around the top lane, because the idea was that you would need to attack Stake, and if you guarded the top lane with all this vision, then you either A, knew Karza was in the top lane trying to help Stake, and you knew where he was, and you can pin him down and make sure his ganks weren't effective, or B, you knew he wasn't in the top lane, and because the champions that were being played usually mean that mid lane ganks aren't a thing, you, you kind of knew he was in the bot lane. And that meant that you could predict him in that way as well. And it really limited his effectiveness. And I think in week two, if you look at what they were able to do against the Ku Tigers, that's what happens if your warding isn't on point. And I hate to tell you this, Origin fans, but your warding is not particularly great compared to a lot of the other teams that are still in the quarterfinals. Uh, Mythy's at 1.29 wards per minute. That's not amazing for supports, though it's not, you know, I think it's kind of middle of the pack. Let me get the specific number here. But the, the key is also that amazing is very behind as far as the wards per minute. Um, he's a guy that's really struggled in, uh, in getting even, he's averaging less than one ward per minute down which means that he's not giving that kind of vision control that you need to keep Karza involved. Meanwhile, Karza and Sword Art are each averaging more uh, at their position. Sword Art 1.34, Karza at 1.18, which puts them in a really nice position to take advantage of some of these uh, these potential weaknesses. By the way, I do have that stat now. Mithy is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, uh, compared to Sword Art at, at fifth. So not bad, but also not great. And this is something that you probably need to be great at if you're going to keep him down. And if Amazing's not helping the way that you would hope that a jungler would be helping in this position, uh, and you know he's, he's not quite at the top echelon of junglers in that regard, funnily enough, ex-Smithy is, which is kind of the, the weird stat of the day there. But it might mean that there's some openings for Karza. It might mean that there's an ability to turn things around for him. 
so let's look at the mid lane because that's enough advanced warding stats, I think, for for one podcast. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this Maple versus Xpeke matchup? Because Maple's a guy that's shown multiple ways to win, but Xpeke is a guy that maybe was underappreciated going into the tournament and has really shown up recently. I mean, Peke is Peke. He he does what he does. He is not a very amazing. He's not this. He's not an amazing mid laner. But he does what he's supposed to do very well, which is play control mages, which is just to farm, play safe, basically be a lane that the jungler does not have to deal with ever. That amazing can completely ignore, and he can go worry about Soaz, he can go worry about the bot lane, whatever. They can just relax. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think plays into what AHQ want to try and accomplish, which is play this assassin, or not AHQ. Flash Wolves want to accomplish, which is play these assassins, get in his face, and try and abuse his kind of weaker early uh, his weaker laning phase. Even though Maple was not very successful on the control mages, and then that he played assassins, which can be abused by the control mages, he's only down one CS at ten minutes. He's only down forty five gold at ten minutes. Peke, on the other hand, is double that. He's down almost two and a half CS per te- at ten minutes. He's down almost 105 gold at ten minutes. So this shows a lot that this is where Flash Wolves need to get ahead. They need to get Maple going, and so he's able to make plays in the late in the mid to late game to disrupt this kind of skirmish style. If he's playing LeBlanc and can go off on his own and can blow up, you know, three or four of Orion's members before they kind of lay a trap and do a fanatic death bush or anything like that, it really throws Orion off their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. I, if you're looking at just how much these teams rely upon these players. Uh, for damage especially, you know, Origin has three threats. The fact that Soaz can be a carry top liner means that Xpeke doesn't have to do it all every game. And he's done enough for them to get this far. And, and definitely, you know, given where we saw him in the regional sometimes struggling uh, in some of these lane matchups, I think that he deserves to be commended for that. But on the other hand, Maple has been a more consistent laner, and he's been a more consistent laner playing champions that aren't necessarily consistent laners with wave clear. You don't think of LeBlanc as this perfect wave cleared champion compared to the Orianas or some of the things that Xpeke has been bringing out. This is this is something that Maple has really excelled in. It's nice to see the top mid laner in the LMS, as far as I'm concerned, uh, really shining in these high pressure situations. Now, one of the things that I think worries a lot of people if you look about the Flash Wolves is that Maple and NL are really the only two huge threats here. The problem with having a guy like Stake as your top laner, NL right now is doing 38.2% of his team's damage. Maple at about 28.4. And yes, Xpeke is at 29.9, but Niels is about 29.9 as well. And you have amazing, uh, you know, and you have Soaz at 19. You have help in that regard. You don't have any one guy that could be targeted so hard. So if you're Origin, what do you do to try to target NL down and take advantage of that? Uh, you need to have a very good laning phase. I think you need to get him off of off of the safe range champion that Jinx is. I think her rockets. I, I think she slowly last week proved that she should be the number one picked AD carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she's up, she's the be- she's the better seizure out of her and Tristana. She has better poke and range earlier on, and the reset is devastating. It's probably more devastating than Tristana's jump because most of the time you're you know jumping into Tristana to get the kill and then jumping out, mm-hmm. whereas a Jinx can you know continue a team fight that is kind of dispersed uh, just off of chaining one or two kills together. So I think she's probably the strongest jungler, and I think that the Taiwanese players and NL and on in particular have shown that. So you need to get Jinx out of his hands, make him show that he can play something other than that. I get he has kind of the pocket pick Varus, like whatever. I'd rather play against an immobile Varus than a Jinx at this point. Uh, so you really have to focus on this bot lane, and I think this is where Amazing needs to go. You know, I don't gank for mid lane anyways. Top lane is going to be a coin flip of which Soaz shows up. Let me go down. Let me get our bread and butter carry, which has been Niels, the most consistent player on this team, and get him going and, and, and see what he's going to be able to do and, and, you know, have him be the one that needs to carry us into this, you know, mid to late game and, and, take, out, uh, and take out NL. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very fair. Um, you look at Niels, right now he's played a lot of Callista. 
and you've had yes. he's gotten the cannon a little bit, um, but mostly you've seen him uh, in this particular tournament uh, on the Thresh. That's been something they've really tried to focus Mithy on. It's where he's been most comfortable. Uh, the cannon, even when they got the cannon Callista lane, which you think would have worked out, uh, that was their one loss with that uh-huh. uh, with that Callista champion. But he's good at engage. Mithy has proven to have those kinds of engage tools to try to catch someone out, and you have to hope that Niels can can you know come in and take advantage of that. Whereas on the other hand, Sword Art has been this you know hard engage master so far this tournament. His Morgana was godlike. I mean, people forget because it was day five of this tournament, so it was a whole week ago, and there are so many games that have been played since then. But we were making jokes about how he was using an aimbot because every single cue was just perfect. And that's something where, you know, I know we were making a comment that Lemon Nation's Morgana needed to be banned just because of how much more effective he was in that lane. Mm -hmm. This is a 16.5 KDA for Morgana uh, (laughs) when uh, when, uh, when Sword Art's able to play her. That's yeah. incredible. It is significantly higher than the Braum or the Annie, which he's brought out a little bit, and his own Thresh, which proves that that might be a contested pick should the Morgana fall to the wayside. It, it, it just puts it in this position where you really have to count on Niels doing his thing. And unfortunately, he hasn't played Jinx once this whole tournament. He's played Callista, he's played Kog'Maw, and he's played Sivir. So that might not be as contested a pick for Origin as it might need to be if you really want to throw... NL off his game. Uh, Agreed. It's it's going to be interesting to see how Origin adjusts, and I guess that brings us to to coaching at the end of this. You know, obviously we had a lot of very kind words to say about Hermit after week one. You know, this is a best of five. This is when coaching and being able to make you know mid series adjustments really comes to the forefront. Do you still have the same confidence in Hermit to make these kinds of changes as you did after week one? I believe so. I believe that he's shown that he he can go into this with a plan. I think that uh, it's playing to his team's strengths, and the problem is just that his team's strength is very teeter totter. Mm-hmm. It could be it could be an exceptional strength, and they can play very very well. But if they get even the slightest bit behind, it's that much harder to play their style right. So I think he's going to keep doing what he's doing. I think he's going to keep highlighting what Orian is good at, and attacking what the enemy team is is weak at i think we'll see more power picks be given up during this series than probably any other series on the day just because hermit is willing to give them up to attack the weak points that that flash wolves had i would not be surprised if they leave mordekaiser up against the flash wolves just to see if that plays it and to keep him off the jinx to keep him off these reset heavy champions you know, in a best of five, you might be willing to take that risk. In a best of one, we've seen that that has yet to pay off. Yeah. Because Mordekaiser, I mean, that ghost dragon is just so huge. But it's not like Flash Wolves have been the most dragon-oriented team either. You know, the only time in which you really saw dragons coming into play for them was that second game against Pain Gaming, where the threat of that fifth dragon led Pain to, to kind of throw that game that was very winnable. And it is funny enough, you yeah. know, we talk about all these strengths of Flash Wolves, but if Flash Wolves throw that game against Pain... None of their other heroics later in that day matter. They're three and three. Payne's three and three, and Payne makes it out of groups because Payne has the two O tiebreaker. Right. It's been an amazing story, but it, it's one of those things where you know, Flash Wolves. I will say this: they seem to play to the level of their opponent in, in, in the best kind of way at this part of a tournament. I think they're going to bring their best game to this Origin team. But I do agree with you. I think Hermit is has proven himself to be an innovator, and when you know, when Flash Wolves, because of the one seed, they get to choose what side they want to start on. I think there's kind of this understanding at this point that, you know, blue side is the, you know, the side that most teams would rather have at this point. I think Hermit's going to have some crazy red side band strat, very much like what you were throwing out there. And I'm very curious to see how Flash Wolves react to it. And we'll see if Fluid Wind uh, can keep up with what Hermit's trying to do there. I think we've previewed pretty much every individual aspect we can about this game, so it's time to get into the gambling lines. Now, obviously, this Unicorn Challenge, if you remember what we said after episode 10, Walter is currently ahead by 68.48 Unicorns. This is very much anyone's game, and now we get to have the beauty of the exotic bets, a.k.a. prop bets, which are my favorite part of any tournament ever. 
And one of the reasons I love Unicorn so much, even if we weren't being hosted on here, I just love the fact that we have prop bets in League of Legends now because they're always really fascinating. And oftentimes they're even more fascinating than the actual game itself, uh, the overall line for that game, I should say. So for those of you who don't know what exotic bets are, exotic bets are usually things that surround a game but aren't necessarily uh, attached to the the outcome, the the final outcome of the game. So what I mean by final outcome is this is a, you know, it's whether Orion wins the series or Flash Wolves win the series. Pretty much anything else that you want to gamble on around the series is considered a prop bet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually... Most famous ones usually are attached to uh, the NFL Super Bowl, and they'll have things that are as silly as, you know, will the national anthem be, you know, a minute 35 seconds or will it be a minute 36 plus, you know, (laughs) silly things like that. But it can be as nitty gritty as, you know, uh, will – uh, let's go to the last last show. Will Marshawn Lynch uh, have a touchdown? Mm -hmm. Will Marshawn – and, you know, it'll say one and a half. You know, and one and a half is you're over or you're under uh, type deal. So it, it can be very entertaining. You can come up with some really weird ones. I remember last World Championship, uh, we came up with some kind of funky prop bets and, and had some fun with it. But now <laughs> we actually have actual odds for those prop bets. So we're not just making them up off the top of our head. Yeah, though, by the way, Walter, if you do come up with a really great fake prop bet, I highly recommend throwing it out there uh, just for the sake of of uh, the just to show what the wonders of prop bets can be, but honestly, these are I, I think everything that you'd really want to gamble on is covered here, and I really appreciate that. But before we get to those prop bets, we have to guess the line for this game: Flashwolves versus Origin. Walter, what do you think the line is for this series to win it all? Orion minus one seventy-five. Oh, you're a jerk. Oh, you're such a jerk. You're a jerk because I said minus 170, and you're going to get this because, because it is origin minus 250. I think that's a little high. That's, that's actually extremely disrespectful to Flash Wolves. Flash Wolves are getting plus 180. Like that – like this is going to be – That's, gonna be that's three, not bad. Yeah, I know. That's going to be a 3-2 series I think. I think the series is really close. That's that's not bad. I'm I'm actually that's not a bad like that's not bad lines for Flash Wolves. That's pretty pretty disrespectful in my opinion. Well, well, speaking of not bad lines for Flash Wolves, uh, let's talk about some prop bets. If you think Flash Wolves are going to win map one, uh, you can get plus one fifty for that just for game one. Uh, Origin in that same situation minus two hundred. So Origin pretty heavily favored even just to win the first map, uh, which isn't particularly surprising. You usually see. Slightly reduced from the overall for map one, just because, you know, with a five-game series, you never know who's going to pull out the crazy <laughs> map one strats. But what I find really interesting, and I'm going to see, we, we're, we're not formally guessing any of these because prop bets are such a weird thing to try to pin down before they're out because they're based on all these algorithms that you know, <laughs> people like Walter and I just don't have enough experience with yet. But yes. just, just to throw out a guess, Walter, what do you think is the over – for 4.5 maps played. If you if you think this is a five game series, what do you think the odds are for that? Uh, I mean, I'd say it's like minus, probably minus 180. Plus I think it's pretty 200. High. Rip. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that's. Mm. They think this is going to be a four game series, which again. Are we? I, what did we see from Origin in Week Two that says this is going to be a three-one, uh, you know, three-one or three-zero? I'd pair, I'd so pair that with. I'd pair that with whoever you think is going to win Map One, honestly. Oh, uh, absolutely! I think if you okay, think Flash Wolf, if you think Origin wins the series, but you think that Flash Wolves win Map One, you can bet both of those overs, and you would get. Let me let me just click on it because the thing about. Uh, the thing about these beautiful, beautiful odds on Unicorn is that I can just literally click the button and everything works out. Yeah, you can get plus seven you could get plus six fifty if you combine those two multi bets, which I don't think is crazy. Just having Flash Wolves win map one and having uh and having this go to a five game series, I don't think that's unreasonable. And that's that's I think that's a very interesting multi bet. Um, talking about some handicaps here. Uh, if you think the Flash Wolves are going to do well enough to not get 3-0, just, just win one map 
in this whole thing, it's minus 345. And now this is where it gets interesting. If you think Flash Wolves are going to keep it closer than a 3-1, so if you think they can pull off the 3-2 or win the series, minus 105. Which is not bad. Especially if you think this is a five-game series, that's a guaranteed win right there, which is quite nice. Um, I, I, what do you – I mean, do you think that those odds are tantalizing enough that you would consider that over just taking Flash Wolf straight up? I think if this is a five-game series, it's Orion's. I don't think Flash... I think the only way Flash Wolves win is if they put Soaz, like, on Incredible Tilt and win it in, like, four games. Yeah. If you get to a game five against Orion, I think the, the experience that Xpeke has and Soaz have, and just the sheer... You know that any time it comes to elimination games, there is always that moment where you're like, is Peke going to backdoor us? Like, you just there, – there is that moment where every uh, – Ocelot has said this in an interview before that the most – the hardest person to play against was Peke. Not because of his skill, but because if he was da- – if you could never count him down and out. Mm-hmm. He would always figure out some crazy way to get back into things. The famous fanatic death brushes, the, you know, the numerous back doors that he's had. It's – I don't think that if you are Flash Wolves, you can let this get to five games. If it gets to five games, you have probably lost the series. My question is, do they get to five games? Because if you believe they do, here, here's my favorite three-team teaser. I agree with you. I think if it gets to game five, I think Origin wins. So let's say you pick Origin to win the series, but you pick Flash Wolves to bring it to five games, mm-hmm. and then you combo that with the over 4.5 maps played. Mm-hmm. It, that's plus 719. That's another really reasonable outcome. That's nice odds. We're going to have to talk really extensively after this podcast as to how we're going to play this. We we have some other things to talk about once the podcast is over. <laughs> That's very fair. But uh, but anyway, talking about things that we can talk about on the podcast, the last two prop bets that I find fascinating. If you think Origin wins this 3-1 or better, this is Origin minus 1.5, minus 122. It's not bad. It's not bad. If you think Origin you know, crushes this, which for the record, as much as I'm saying that I think it's, it's disrespectful, some of these lines, I did just go on a panel that will be released either later tonight or early tomorrow in which I picked Origin to win 3-1. to one. So I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm just saying minus 122. I'm not sure if that's enough value there. Like that's like, – Yeah. Hey, like at that point, you'd, you'd rather parlay – some other origin victories, you assume they win map one at that point, for instance. Right. And you parlay that with the origin victory overall. I'm, not, I'm just – I don't know if, if risking that series going to game five is how you want to play it. And by the way, if you think origin just crushes this and then wins 3-0, uh, plus 240 mm-hmm. for, the, for the minus two and a half handicap there, which is also in play. I mean we really haven't – how many top laners do you look at in Group A who really could have taken advantage of stakes lane deficiencies? I mean, I guess you have Smeb, but Smeb was playing off that whole turn, you know, that whole group stage. Just his teleports yeah. were off. He was not the commanding laner. If you would have, you, sorry, you would have said Zion Spartan, but the <laughs> well, the, the CLG uh, CLG preparation was not in Zion Spartan's favor. We'll put no, it that way. It was not a. It was one of those things where I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of changes as to how CLG approaches the next year as far as best of fives and strategies and everything else. But all these prop bets are really interesting ones. I'm very excited. Is there any prop bet you wish was around for this game? Like over or under number of times that we cut to Soaz just fuming on face camp. <laughs> like that's the one I want. I I would do if, if it depends on who's casting this, but number of steak puns. <laughs> That's a great one. I, o- I, over over under three and a half. How about over under number of comments on how crazy Steak's hairstyle is? Like that's I mean they're gonna bring up it, it up at least twice, right? Eh. Like there's Steak with his crazy hair. Oh, okay. There's another one. Number it. number of times they say. NA is less than Taiwan or EU. Oh, man. 
I, uh, I, I don't know if the casters can say anything about NA anymore. <laughs> I think they're just going to kind of pretend that that didn't happen. Like, what are you talking about? No North American teams were invited this year. If they were, they certainly wouldn't go 0-10 in the last week of games. That oh, absolutely not. That would be ridiculous. That would be, That'd be absolutely crazy. Poor Zyrene's got to just be so sad. Like, he went all in on the, I believe in these teams. He picked Cloud9 in, like, every game on day two and just got continually more and more disappointed by this team. I feel bad. It's honestly, it's, uh, you know, it, this, is, this was the best split in which to be a North American fan free agent. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, I'm, I'm almost thankful that Evil Geniuses got relegated as early on as they did. Because it meant, or I guess Winter Fox is, was the mm-hmm. name at that point. Um, because I didn't have to care about, I, didn't, I wasn't invested in any of these North American teams doing well. I just got to watch, and when the 0 and 10 happened, I was like, oh, look, all of us analysts might actually know what we're talking about more than Reddit. How funny. Isn't that so interesting? And, uh, and, uh, and you know, it, I, if I cared, then it would be like uh, when I had to watch H2K as a Rockat fan, and I was saying to myself, man, if Rockat was there, we might have stolen a game off of EDG the way they're playing right now, which is so much worse. <laughs> it's so much worse. <laughs> That's awful. I can't believe you'd even say that. I think they, with the way that EDG was playing against H2K, oh, they totally could have. <laughs> okay, how about this? Do you think that a Gambit with Forgiven could have done the same thing? Because nope. I would argue yes. I think they're better nope. than H2K if Forgiven's around. Nope. I think Diamond is... Diamond and uh, Gosu are liabilities on that roster. Yeah, but, but Etsy is way too inconsistent. But you, yeah, but you've got Cabochard and, and Forgiven. That might like you put Forgiven on those heavy siege champs. Let Cabochard hard carry on Dyrus. The only like no, I, I mean not, not Darius, not Dyrus. Forgiven, be... Forgiven would just be playing Caitlyn the entire time. Then <laughs> actually, that's. <laughs> I don't know. Forgiven's play style could actually, like, if the champions that he played weren't nerfed into the ground, like, if Lucian wasn't garbage mm-hmm. right now, he could actually be pretty abusive in lane against the Siegers. But I just, I don't think the rest of the roster was good enough. Hey, man. Like, we had a Graves hey, victory. I, I've said this tournament. before. The team that deserved to make it to Worlds got to Worlds. No, but look. I'm sorry. Like, I understand. I That's totally fine. I'm. I'm just surprised. It's just one of those thoughts that as a fan, I can't help but have. And I'm surprised that you can't help yourself. You have better self-control than I do. Um, but I just realized how garbage my teams are. <laughs> That's fair. Hey, I had to slowly but surely realize that about uh, Invictus over the course of this tournament. So I had that going for me. But- I don't even, I don't even, like, I don't even try to have a Chinese team because there's no point. It's, oh, I don't man. watch that region enough to actually, like make a decision on who I want to root for. Yeah. Well, you know what? We don't we don't need to talk about China. We don't need to talk about anything else today. I think we've wrapped up everything we need to there talk about at this point. One thing we need to talk about. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, well, breaking news as of two PM Pacific Standard Time. Oh no. A press release from Team Solo Mid officially Lucas Santorin Larson, Jan Sick uh, Jang Sik Lust Boy Ham, I am sorry for butchering it. Marcus Dyrus Hill have all been removed from the League of Legends starting lineup. Santorin will be stepping down from the TSM roster and focusing on school. Lust Boy and Dyrus will both be transitioning to streamer roles. Dyrus for his retirement and Lust Boy due to shoulder injuries and burnout. As of 2 o'clock Pacific wow. Standard Time. On October 14th in the year 2015 of our Lord and Savior, three members of TSM leaving the roster. Oh, see, this is why I'm glad that you checked the subreddit during the podcast. I can't multitask that way. I, yeah, we do need to talk about this. So, so what's, the, what's the ETA on when they finally release Wild Turtle and, and let Bjergsen go somewhere into greener pastures then? Uh, there, there is nothing at all stated about Wild Turtle or Bjergsen anywhere. However, numerous uh, Twitter analysts and pundits, including Jacob Braille Wolf, uh, Nilo Duraven, I don't know what his last name is. Cool. Uh, cool I think. I, I will I've not never even, known how to pronounce that. Uh, Kefka Lull, mm-hmm. uh, Kespa fan, uh, obviously Skyen, Koobs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Quillick, and numerous others are all discussing that 
Wild Turtle either has some crazy blackmail on Reggie or that his time is too coming uh, coming closely to an end. But there are ages until the next split starts. Uh, but currently on the Team Solo Mid website, their, their official uh, professional one, tsm.gg, the official announcement and requests for those who wish to try out. Please have fluency in English, challenger ranking in North America, Europe, Korea, China, or Taiwan, a willingness to relocate to the TSM Gaming House in California, USA, and a positive mindset, which includes but is not limited to the following, willingness to learn from others, competitive spirit, the ability to accept criticism and be self-critical, cooperative and willing to adapt to and work within a team environment. Please send applications to tryouts at solomid.net with the following format. Your name, age, position, screenshots of current solo queue rank and client, experience in competitive League of Legends, and motivation for joining. You know, the first thing I love about that is that it lists all these personality things as if someone is going to say, oh, well, I would have replied, but I really I'm not interested in taking on advice and criticism. So I'm just going to say no. I just want to let you know ahead of time uh, that I, uh, I'm withdrawing myself because I'm someone that doesn't take criticism. Like that'll never happen in the history of anything. Forgiven. Well, OK, but forgiven would never say that. <laughs> Like, like, forgiven in, a, in, a, in an interview is going to say, oh, yeah, I'm totally ready to work along with the team. And then day one, he'd be like, no, screw this. We're doing things my way. What are you talking about? When I said work with the team, I meant, like, I do the work and you do the team. And that works. Like, it would, you know, he, no, no one ever, it's like, it's the same thing as asking in a job interview. Like, what's your biggest flaw? No one ever says, oh, well, I'm lazy or I'm not considerate of others or I don't work well with you know, I don't follow instructions well. No I care too much that. about other people. Yes. That's, that's the kind of BS you pull out. That, that's what TSM much. is officially asking for. I work that? too hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm a little bit – I'm surprised. I, I guess I'm not really surprised. This is, this is that perfect – we're going to slip this under the radar. Everyone's got Worlds tomorrow. The quarterfinals the, start tomorrow. This isn't under the radar. You could not – there's no way in hell – and heck, that you can slip this under the rain uh, under the radar. I almost said rain over. Uh, <laughs> under the radar. You are the largest Western League of Legends organization. I'm sorry, Fnatic, but TSM is is literally br- lives, breathes, and dies by League of Legends. I don't care how good their Counter Strike team is. <laughs> they literally came up because of this game. There is no way you can slip something like this under the radar. And a lot of people are just wondering about the timing. Like, you want to slip it under the radar? You do it in the middle of the world championship. Like, during the second game when Forgiven or when uh, Faker is just going off on people, you just, like, casually slip it out there and send out, like, eight tweets about the world championship. Like, man, wish we could have been there. Maybe next year, like, get Sky Williams to be your PR person for, like, eight tweets, and I guarantee you, you will bury that announcement just crazily. Oh, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure if they announced Sky Williams as their PR guy, that, too, would swallow this announcement whole. Um... Here's the question. How long until we hear that Lokodoko's moved on? Because without well, Lustboy, I don't – like it's not well, like they mentioned a, a proficiency so, so in Korea. Here, here is Lustboy's actual statement. Okay. Due to shoulder injuries and being tired of playing, I decided to step down as a player, but I'll still be involved with TSM helping in any way possible. He's not leaving TSM. So that means I don't think Loco Doco is leaving TSM. I think Les Boy is going to be staying kind of as a streamer and uh, to maybe help with an, you know being an analyst. Yeah. So I think Loco Doco is probably staying as the coach. That's what this sounds like to me. This isn't a Les Boy is leaving and is completely leaving the organization. But, but why would you? Why would you keep a coach that you clearly had no trust in because you, as the owner, had to step in before the North American playoffs and in Worlds multiple times? Why would you do that? You're rebuilding. Rebuild. I don't understand. That like it, it's it that breaks all logic to me. It, it's like if the you know if the Miami Dolphins were like, yeah, our team is terrible, but we're just gonna ride Sperano for five more years anyway and just clean mm-hmm. house. That doesn't work. It never works. I, I you know I, this is not the the TSM podcast, and this is probably going on longer than than most people want to talk about. But it is something that just. It, 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 to me, it, it's a perfect example of how 
to do this wrong. Samsung, uh, as an organization, cleaned house. They've got all new young players in Korea. And sure, they didn't do particularly well this year, but they're still an organization. Their players are improving. They've got this new analytical staff that they've built up by teaching them how to do the Samsung things, and now they're all ready to go. And this next year, I think Samsung's going to be significantly better as a result. I think they have a chance to be the next, you know, two Tigers in the sense of a team that didn't exist before and now is going to be pretty darn good. But they did it because they were willing to rebuild everything, because they understood that a process like this takes time, and you can't do it half-heartedly. And my biggest fear is that they keep Lokodoko, they tie Bjergsen to this rebuilding effort because they technically have him under contract, they keep trying to focus Wild Turtle because they don't want to rebuild everything all at once, and this becomes one of those multi-year rebuild things. And in League, that doesn't work. It didn't work for Coast. It's not going to work here. No. I, uh... I'm sorry, TSM fans. Man, I I mean, and then let's be fair. All of this can come out as news later. All of this, like this is way too early to say that this is the way TSM's going. I'm sure that Reggie's going to be thinking about all of this. And as a general rule, Reggie has a better track record on these things than I probably ever will. So give Reggie benefit of the doubt. I understand all of that, but. I mean, this only tells me it's time for me to go push for Challenger. <laughs> time, time for me to go live out my dream. As being a professional gamer yes. and playing for Team Solo Mid. So I will see you all in like three weeks yeah. with a nice brand new Challenger rating. Please ignore the fact that my, my Twitter account says that I, I went from Platinum 2 to Gold 1 in two weeks. Please ignore that fact. Nah, yeah. I, and ignore the fact that I'm Silver 5 because I'm obviously also in the running. So <laughs> I've got – hey, man, my Tom Kench is almost half decent. Really, I, I think that uh, that's a strong statement forward. I'll just uh, I'll just keep spamming him in solo queue and it'll work out. But that is enough for this podcast today. Uh, you can find me on at RedshirtKing on Twitter if you want to talk to us about the pod. We love hearing from you. We love when you share this podcast with other people because it means that we get to talk to more of you guys. And we love just sharing what we've created with you. Walter, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Perfect. And... Please come back 5 p.m. PST tomorrow. We will be recapping everything from this Origin Flash Wolf series. We will be talking about Day 2's action, which I believe those quarterfinals are uh, – is that that? It's the SKT, SKT versus HQ, which I, I don't know how much preview we're going to need for that one. But we'll do it anyway because we give the people what they want here on this pod. And until next time, goodbye, internet. <laughs>